Hi. <laughs> um, okay, so this afternoon, uh, just a little bit of a caveat. Um, when I um, talk about worship and things like that, I am not in the mindset of Sunday morning per se. Okay, we're talking lifestyle, we're talking a life of worship. And in particular, um, something where we, I want to end up today is looking at how do we cultivate a thankful heart and how do we recognise the providence of God in our lives? Because actually, if we see what God is doing in our lives, if we recognise his hand on our lives and see the good he is doing, um, it leads us to thankfulness, which leads us to worship. And that for me, I guess, right at the outset, I've given the game away now, but um, that for me right at the outset is so key. If I have a thankful heart, if I understand and can see God at work, then the rest of it flows out of that. And it's when I come out of that place, it all goes a bit clunky and a bit wrong. So um, what has that got to do with John 15? Well, I've actually based everything today out of John 15. I know we've read it before this morning when Jean was speaking, and I know she's talked about it. Amazingly, I was sat there thinking, I wonder if she's going to say everything I've got, and she hasn't, so there's more to come. Um, and that's just the wonderful thing about God's Word, isn't it? That we can read the same passage over and over again, and different things speak to us. So, I'm going to start by reading the same passage. It doesn't hurt to hear it again, and uh, then we'll get into what we've got this afternoon. Uh, so, John 15 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command, and I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. So yeah, Father God, we just uh, want to pray as we start this afternoon. Lord, we ask that you come by your spirit, that you would speak to each of us. Lord, that you would help me to communicate what you've placed on my heart. But more than that, Father, that you would just give each of us seeds of things this afternoon that we can take away. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you prompt us? Um, would we leave the, the whole day, as it were, changed and um, with things to put into practice, things to think about, things to meditate on? Lord God, we love you. We want to grow in you. And uh, yeah, Father, we just ask that you bless our time together this afternoon. Amen. So... 
Um, I think John 15, I've taught on it a few times this year in different contexts and different reasons and different ways, and I find it an incredible mandate for our lives. Um, and there's so much that's going to be impossible to cover now, but it's great we're having a whole day on it because you'll get lots of different bits through the day. Um, but just recently I had the privilege of being in Serbia at a conference, a Balkans conference, and um, the whole of the Saturday that we were there was held in a vineyard. Knowing, having done some teaching on this, knowing that this day was coming up, I went out at lunchtime and had a look. And uh, it was quite fascinating when you see that in real life. And suddenly all of the things that were mentioned in John 15 were right in front of me. And you could start to see why this imagery made sense. And we don't, we don't have very many vineyards around us. It's not something we bump into on a daily basis. So it was a real privilege to be able to just go and walk in amongst all the vines. Um, I've had the same thing when we've been out to Germany as well. There's masses of vineyards all over the hills nearby. And again, it just brings it to life. And so I'll try as best I can to explain what I saw and what, how it relates because I just find it really helpful when you've got that real image and why it makes sense. Um, it certainly helps me to think about that. Um, and so is my lovely drawing of a vine. Doesn't look very much like a vine, does it? Um, but I don't know if you know that for the first, vine gets planted, for the first three years, it's not allowed to bear fruit. It's not that it can't bear fruit, but it's not allowed to. Um, because the vineyard owner knows that if he allows it to bear fruit, the fruit will be too heavy for the spindly little vine that's grown. And so what they do is they allow it to grow to a certain point and then they cut it back and then they allow it to grow again a bit and cut it back. And so over the course of time, what you end up with is a stump. Okay, this is the stump. And I don't know if any plant you've seen in your garden, if you've ever pruned it right back down, you'll notice it sort of grows out rather than up first and gets wider and more established and stronger. And so basically it creates like a foundation. And then what happens is a shoot comes out of the stump um, and this then starts to form part of the vine. Um, some shoots come out of the stump, it's not just one, okay? And invariably, there'll be a few. And what happens is, they then keep one or two of them. And what you may have seen is, uh, if this is a stump, sorry, there's a reason for these bits here. What you may have seen is that <coughs> things get trained along a wire, yeah, to support the shoot that comes off. And sometimes they'll allow it, depends on the vineyard, to have another one which then hooks around there. And basically, they either grow like this and supported upright or they get supported sideways, depends on the vine and the vineyard. Um, but they snip off the bits, even though they're healthy growth, they'll snip them off because what they're trying to do is put strength into this bit of the vine to support it, strength into the roots, you've already heard some of this this morning, and then strength into two particular things, off of which can then grow the fruit. And so when I was in Serbia, what I saw was this style, it was supported upwards rather than outwards. And there was just, on every single vine, it was all at this stage, I wonder if, I thought maybe it was like a nursery, as it were, they'd got them all to the same stage. And there was just one little bunch of 
almost formed grapes just kind of hanging off and that was all it was allowed to grow that year. I suspect if I went back the next year what you would see then is thicker vines that were able to support much more and so there's a very careful process in growing vines and so when we read in John 15 about the vine I think we need to understand that there is a careful process in this. Jesus was speaking to people who would have known how all this fits together and would see this on a daily basis. They would see the baby ones, they would see the huge grape vines with loads and loads of grapes, and they drink the wine at the end of the day. Um, and I know I'm in danger of reading the Bible and sometimes sanitising things a little bit and not really putting myself, what does this actually look like and what does it mean? And so, who has gardens here and does a bit of gardening every now and again? Yeah, I quite like gardening, I'm not the best at it. Um, and so I would say I'm a gardener and I prune things. What that means in my head is that I have a garden and sometimes I walk around with my secateurs and snip things. Yeah? Yes, that is the case. But the reason I've drawn the stump like this is because when we talk about pruning, there are times where it is the little snip with a pair of scissors. These are caused not by a little snip with a pair of scissors. These are the great big loppers that come and take huge sections of branch or tree or whatever down. And what ends up happening is you can see, and I saw this for myself, you can see where something has been pruned. It leaves, imagine like a tree branch, when you cut it off, you can see the end of it, and it sort of heals over, doesn't it? But it's still visible. Then out of the side, out of that site, grows the new branch. Um, and so um, the Bible uses this imagery, and in fact we see it in Isaiah 11. I don't know if you recognise some of the language I've used. In Isaiah 11 it talks about a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and his roots will bear, uh, the, from, his root, bleh, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Um, and that's part of a prophetic word talking about the fall of Israel and then the, sa the saviour, the messiah coming out and it's the same imagery from the stump, the thing that's been cut right back Israel kind of cut right back comes this shoot, the messiah, the saviour and it's all the same stuff so what's this got to do with being thankful, providence or worship well as I said at the beginning I just find when I can understand God's purpose then, and what an end goal might be in some respects. And I'm able to see the good he is doing. And I find it much more easy to be, to find the things to be thankful for. Um, so in John 15, we find those things. So what is our purpose? We read the purpose is to bear fruit and fruit that will last. Why do we do that? Well, if we read in John 15, it says in verse eight, it's all about his glory, okay? This isn't fruit for fruit's sake. It's not even really about us. He chooses, to, he chooses us in that process, but actually it's about his <coughs> glory. That's the ultimate aim of things. The end goal is the Father's glory. Fruit is disciples, but it's the Father's glory. And it's actually, in the sort of overarching story of the Bible, the fulfillment of Genesis 1. Um, what we see in Genesis 1, when man and woman are made, what are they told to do? Go and fill the earth, subdue it, multiply. And it's the same imagery here, but it's all for 
Father's glory. Okay, we are there to be image bearers of God. We are his representatives, if you like. We are him on earth. That's how he's made it to be. And we are, his, we are the glory. We are bringing his glory here. Um, so it's all about his glory. And the way we achieve that, if we read John 15, is the thing that we heard Jean talk quite a lot about this morning. Remain in me. Yeah? So the way we produce fruit, the way we can bring about something of God's glory, the way we can point people to him, the way we can show him, is by remaining in him, remaining in the vine, remaining connected and attached. I can't remember the exact phrase Jean used earlier, but it was really good. Um, just that whole sense of oneness and not being apart. Um, so yeah, so God's plan right from the beginning was to fill the earth with his glory by filling it with image bearers, us, and to be fruitful and increase in number. Um, obviously we know from Genesis 1 that plan slightly went awry. Um, and sin entered the world but it's still the same we are still called in Matthew 28 go therefore and make disciples it's all about expansion it's all about reproduction it's all about multiplying it's the same idea Um, and so I think there is a sense of fruit in this of new Christians I think we have to admit that would be great fruit to see more and more people come to know him but it also (coughs) says about um, being by our fruit, people will know we are his disciples. So there's also fruit in us. There's a way we live. There's what is in us. Again, similar to what Jean was saying. What we do, the way we live, is the fruit that will show people who we are as Christians and show us to be his disciples. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Um, and so how will we show ourselves to be his disciples? It's by being like him by being image bearers, bearing his image. And so I would approach this passage, I think, to say that God's ultimate plan for us, for me, is to bear much fruit, to be like him, and this is for his glory. So who I am, how I am, is all for his glory. How I react to things is all for his glory. That then starts to challenge me and makes me think, ah, right. The way I reacted to that earlier was that really for his glory. Ooh, hang on a minute. <laughs> it just challenges us, doesn't it? Um, and it sounds really simple in some respects, but we all know, I'm sure, that there are seasons of life where it's way more of a challenge to feel like we are reflecting his glory or doing everything for his glory. Um, and so this passage talks about pruning. And there are different seasons, aren't there? There are pruning seasons that create extreme vulnerability. If you take this vine back down to this level, these are exposed. There is nothing else there. There's no leafy shade. If the sun shines, it bakes. The gardener knows that needs to happen for the good of the plant overall but that is extremely vulnerable okay and the nods in the room are telling me that we, yeah we're all starting to go yes I recognize this happening um, and I don't know about you when things are vulnerable this is my sort of I dumped my brain on paper earlier 
there's this sort of what goes on in my head and I get things like, did he really say remain in me? Well, how's that going to work? There's nothing left. How can you remain in him when there's just like a, was it a twig we heard earlier? Look at the vine over there, that vine, that's got fruit. That's much better than you. You're just a twig. No chance of you doing anything, you're just a stump. Where's God now? He's chopped you right back and left. This is the kind of thing that we start to hear, isn't it, in those times of extreme vulnerability, and we have to counter. And it's just the battle that kind of goes on in my head, you know? Um, Jesus knows, and I think this is really key. We have to know that Jesus knows. And the reason I know Jesus knows is because he went through this. Okay? Um, If we look at the timeline of Jesus' ministry, he grows up, works in the family business, does a few things. We don't really hear too much about it until he's about 30 years old. And he goes to John and is baptised. And when he's being baptised, the audible voice of God comes and says, anyone know? This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Excellent, says Jesus, let's go. And he performs lots of miracles. No. Um, First thing to note is when Jesus is baptised and God says that over him, he hasn't done anything particularly. We've read a bit about him being in the temple and knowing lots of stuff and being able to talk things through with people, but we haven't really seen anything happening. Um, So he's not really done. God's still saying, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. Before we have done anything, God has chosen us and he says, this is my daughter whom I love with whom I am well pleased. Before anything, that is what he says over us. Um, But Jesus, I think, like us, needs to hear this because of what comes next. Because what comes next isn't all of the miracles. They do come next. But there's a bit in between. And the bit in between is basically shock. Because Jesus is then led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit for 40 days and 40 nights without any food to be tempted and who swoops in just at that point and starts whispering things in his ears and questioning everything that he knows. Extreme vulnerability, literally, he's in the desert. He'll know what that feels like. Under the baking sun, without food, very little water. 40 days and 40 nights. Again, another thing we kind of, yeah, Jesus was in the desert, 40 days and 40 nights. It's quite hot at the moment, and you can see what the impact is on all of us and how much water we're needing to drink, and we're really hot and we want fans and none of that. He's in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. It's a pruning season for him. He's tested at a point of extreme physical and emotional vulnerability. And what does Jesus do? He remains in him, doesn't he? Because he counters everything. With his understanding of scripture, he counters what the devil would bring against him. No, I'm not going to listen to that because it says, not I feel, I would imagine that's possibly not how he felt, but it says, I know my father and it says this. Go away, don't want to know. And so what we see at this time when Jesus starts his ministry is his cut back and the shoot starts to grow as it were in that metaphor 
and he begins to bear fruit in many, many ways. And from that point on, we then see all of those different miracles and the way he calls his disciples and everything else. During his life, he allows the gardener to tend to him. He withdraws, doesn't he? We see that in the Gospels. Jesus withdrew to a mountain. Jesus went out on a boat. Jesus went somewhere. And he withdraws and he allows God to tend to him. He allows the Father to garden him, if you like. And there would have been times in that, we know it, where there's those little snips and bits just shaping us. It's God tending to us. This imagery of the garden, of someone who is a gardener, but it actually talks about husbandry. And that is all about care and a deliberate care and things like that. And so we face pruning seasons. And I think they can be God-orchestrated sometimes, perhaps a bit like Jesus in the wilderness. Sometimes just circumstance sweeps in, doesn't it? And we see that again in Jesus' life at the end of his life, I think, where we get all of the accusations being made against him. He's just walking, being Jesus, and all this stuff is being fired at him, left, right and centre. And so the circumstances are sort of swirling around him. God allows these seasons to happen because there's a plan and a purpose, okay? Um, And ultimately, that plan and the purpose is for us, but ultimately it's for his glory. Um, If you think about it from a vine grower's perspective, sometimes they'll prune a vine because it's the right thing to do to get more fruit. Sometimes they may need to tend to something because of extreme weather. I don't know, at the moment I would imagine farmers are having to rethink all their plans, rethink the harvest time, and adapt to the heat and the lack of rain. Buy in water from, I don't know how they do it, but yeah, yeah, I'm not a farmer. Um, So there are times where there's a deliberate happening and there's other times where it might be something going on around us. But if we understand and really get that the goal is fruit and God's glory, then I have found when I get to that point and allow myself to hear that, I cope much better in those pruning seasons and I'm able to worship God through them. And that can be really hard at times, okay? And I'm not going to be standing here, to, I'll give you some testimonies in a minute, I'm not going to be standing here today saying, I've got it all sorted, I'm, I'm done, because I'm not, okay? But I know, I know that I know that I know when I remain in him, that is what makes all the difference and allows me to understand what he's doing. Not necessarily to understand the thing that's happening, but to understand there is a plan and a purpose, to see the way he may be working through that providentially. Um, and I think as well, there's vulnerabilities, and I was thinking about this, there's vulnerability when there's a pruning season, there's vulnerability actually when there's fruitfulness anyone think what the vulnerability might be if you're being incredibly fruitful? Pride. Pride, yeah. It can come in really quickly, okay? So don't just think, I know I'm talking about pruning because I think this is probably (coughs) the thing that would make, certainly has made me struggle the most with how do I keep a thankful heart and worship God. But actually, do bear in mind, when we're fruitful, that can also leave us quite vulnerable to pride and arrogance things like that and self-reliance actually we don't remain in him because we're fruitful it's very easy to forget that we need to be part of that vine by remaining in him through our seasons we keep these things in check 
And so I said at the beginning we'd look at cultivating a thankful heart and looking at the providence of God. And the providence um, is a word I've heard um, Mike Betts use a lot. He seems to, yeah, it's one of his words that he uses a lot. And the definition is, and I looked this up in a dictionary, and this is literally what it said in the dictionary, the protective care of God. Okay. Um, or nature as a spiritual power. We'll ignore that one. So the protective care of God. Or timely preparation for future eventualities. So the providence of God is the care of God in order to prepare us for the future. That sounds like someone who cares for me. That sounds like someone who tends to me well. And if we think back to the image of the vine and the gardener, that's where we get that gardener idea from. It's someone who is providential in his gardening of us, as it were. Um, I know certain things about gardening, not many. I know if I prune the branches of a tree, I should do that after they've borne their fruit, just, and before winter hits. Because what happens if you prune something in the middle of winter, or what could happen? Pardon? It dies, yes. And so sometimes, I don't know if you found this, there's seasons where we're going along quite happily, really fruitful, and then all of a sudden it's like, what's happened? Where's it gone? Things aren't really bad, it's not winter, so why has it disappeared? And actually, use the metaphor, the providence of God in pruning us in a season is so that if if that happened in midwinter, that's going to be an awful lot more vulnerable and risky. There's times and seasons to things. And so understanding that God has a plan for us, his plan is for us to ultimately bear much fruit, for us to live to his glory, it changes our perspective about God doing us good. By remaining in him, he can do us good. And by remaining in him, that helps us to cultivate a thankful heart. Okay? Um, I'm going to give you a couple of personal examples now. Um, So bear with me, because the first one... When I write it down, or when I tell it to myself, is absolutely fine. And then when I say it out loud, we'll see. I might get through it. <laughs> so, um, in 2003, which was a while ago now, I was young mum to boys aged three and one. One of them being Zach, Sam's friend, and my other son, Joe. And we lived in a two-bedroom house in Aylsham. And I led worship in our church. And I regularly went out and about. There's different church plants nearby, and I helped support them with worship. And we were, I wouldn't say ticking along, but it, you know, it was good. It was good. Nice, good time. Things were okay. And uh, in that summer, I found out that I was pregnant again, which was a little bit of a surprise, but great. Um, We talked about having more children. You know, it was great, really good. And we decided that actually a two-bedroom house with three children under four was going to be a push. So we put the house on the market thinking it will take a while and sold it in two weeks flat Um, and so we found another house to move to it was all going great and then part way through the sale of the house going through and having to retile the kitchen because we'd just changed the kitchen and all this you know one of those times um, I started to bleed and I found myself on my then youngest son's first birthday dropping him at a friend's house as I went into hospital because I was miscarrying um, a month later we moved to our new house it, that summer in my head you know, do you ever know where you get memories that are really really vivid 
but also a total blur at the same time. It's almost like the whole season was like, I don't know what is going on here. This is just mad, but really vivid at the same time. And so to say I was a wreck inside was an understatement. That's just, I felt like this. You know, it was one of those things. It just felt like someone had just gone. Because leading worship is one thing. Leading worship when you're phenomenally emotional and hurting and crushed and all the other stuff that goes with it is impossible, really. You just, you, how do you do that? And so it, it didn't just change us and trying to deal with family. It also meant pulling back from stuff that I love doing. Um, at the same time in our church, there was another lady who died unexpectedly, and uh, these two things were kind of running along. Rachel will remember all of this. She came out to my house and had to tell me. And the interesting thing with that was this lady had lived an amazing life, and all I heard when I went into the church or spoke to anyone was, wasn't it amazing when she did this? Memories, 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 memories. And I'm sat there going, there are no memories. There are no memories. <laughs> There are, no, I'm really the only one my husband James and a few friends knew that I was expecting there weren't the memories, I didn't have anything to share and it was just all of this going on at the same time I was a stump um, and just that whole thing of almost if you walk down the street no one would know all that stuff that's going on inside you know. Um, now hear me right I don't think God did this to me that's not where my head's at. It wasn't God who did that. We live in a fallen world. It's a broken world. And we know there is pain and suffering. We know that things will happen. What I do know is I was allowed to walk through that season. And that's where I had to come to. Why? What is, what is the plan and purpose in this? It just seems hopeless. But actually... There was something in me that drew deep. There was something in me that remained in him and I didn't let go of my faith. I didn't let go of my love for the Lord. And I refused to let go of being thankful for the things God had done. He saved me, he's rescued me, he chose me. All of those things that I have read, all those things I've heard, everything that's kind of surrounded my life up until now, comes into play in that scenario because it has to feed the truth. My feelings, are, yeah, if I relied on them, <laughs> that would have been a different story. I was vulnerable and I heard the questioning voice. How are you going to worship him now then? All you can do is cry. You look ridiculous. I don't cry well. I go bright red and puffy and the rest of it. Um, all of those things, you're, you're never going to get back to being how you were. It's just not that. You know, those things in my head had to counter with no, actually, remain in me. And so I got to the point where I realised, yes, all I could do was cry. If I met anybody, spoke to anybody, if someone started playing a chord of a song, that was it, I was gone. <laughs> but if the woman came into the temple with her last coin and put it in a basket, and that was all she had. Then if all I had was floods of tears and a big red puffy nose, 
that was my worship in that moment. The fact that I was prepared to say, this is not how I feel, I feel rubbish. Don't really want to be in a room full of people and I'm not, please him, I'm not saying you have to go to church, but I felt there was a step in this, in actually being a worship leader, in a sense. Step of me going to church, gathering with the family of God and saying, I am here. <laughs> That's all I can do. I can't sing, I can't stand up in front of anyone, I can't talk to anybody. You know, there was a lovely lady in our church and I, she really got it because I had a few people come up and, how are you? All those lovely things. Do you really want to know? No, probably not. And all she did was she just put her arm around me and she went like that. And that was it. That's all it needs, isn't it, sometimes? And, um, and so I joined the church on that Sunday and I cried. That was it. I cried. But although I couldn't express it in words or songs or anything else, my heart was saying, I don't understand all of this stuff, but I am thankful that I have a rock that I can stand on, that I have a hiding place, that I can be in the shelter of your wings in the middle of all this. Um, and that sense of thankfulness rose in me. And over the coming weeks and months, stuff began to change. It was really interesting. Um, I think, I don't know if it was you that actually said it over me, I can't remember, but the fruit coming out of that time was a release of emotion and vulnerability that I had never had before. I was very um, <coughs> guarded, I suppose, until that point. Very together. It's all sorted. Wouldn't let anyone, very few people saw behind that, you know. It's all fine. It's all good. When something like that happens, it, it wrecks you, really, doesn't it? And that emotion and vulnerability came out. And it's quite scary when something like that happens and you start to feel that way. But what it meant was I became way more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Massively so. It was quite extraordinary. Um, I started writing worship songs for our church. I started singing spontaneously. Um, not literally like now, but um, in the <laughs> church meeting. <laughs> Although, you know, walking around Tesco's. Oh, I know. Um, I started moving in the prophetic more than I had ever done. Um, I had a greater compassion and understanding for other people's circumstances, so pastorally, something grew in me. I'm not ever going to be the um, very calm and soothing pastoral person. It's possibly come to me and I'll let's go and get it sorted, but I had that greater compassion and understanding. And even practically, I know it sounds crazy, I was thinking there's all these wonderful things going on in me, but practically we moved to a bigger house. In the middle of all of that, and it almost got lost in the middle of all of that, we moved to a bigger house, just before the house prices skyrocketed, so we wouldn't have been able to do it. And we took in a lodger in our church, so we was able to bless her, and we've had people to stay from all over the place. I mean, honestly, you just look at it and you think, from something that was tragic and painful and basically awful, came a whole load of things. Now, then you get into that, would I change one foot? I'm not even going to go there. It happened. That is a season I walked through with God, and this is the fruit that came from it. Going backwards doesn't always help, does it? And um, Philippians 4, I think has probably been one of my favourite 
No, if you have go-to passages, that's probably one of mine. And uh, particularly in that time, um, when Morris and Rachel were at our church, I remember a preach he did, um, and he called it the choice to rejoice. That's one of those, he used those words, so it's stuck in my head because it rhymes. Um, and it's true, isn't it? Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Those of you of a certain age will remember a song that's probably now going around in your house, in your head. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Anyway, um, once I've got over singing that song, um, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. always. We have to make a choice to rejoice, don't we? Always. And because he thinks we won't get it the first time, so I'll say it again, <laughs> rejoice. And it's not even, please, would you consider? It's, it's imperative, isn't it? Rejoice. That's what you've got to do. Let your gentleness be evident to all. This is Philippians 4. Um, and I've often read that and thought, ah, all right then. Gentleness. That I don't think it is. I think it is that quiet stillness. Do you know what I mean? The thing that people say, how on earth are you coping with that situation? That's the gentleness. Jesus was gentle. That doesn't mean he was weak. He approached people with gentleness and strength. My goodness. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Four words. When we're pruned, cut back, whatever, the gardener doesn't go off somewhere and disappear. The Bible says the Lord is near. My experience, my feelings might say, I'm little storm. But the Bible says the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. And I think coming off the back of the Lord is near, therefore, don't be anxious about it. He is there. He is with me. Um, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thankfulness, present your request to God. And the peace that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In the middle of all of this, in your prayers and petitions, it says, with thankfulness. In the middle of seasons, whether they are pruning seasons or fruitful seasons, rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness, that quiet, calm, rock steadiness be evident to all the lord is near don't be anxious but in everything by prayer and petition with thankfulness present your request to god and the peace of god that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds and you see we might not be aware of what is going on we might not understand the circumstance in our life we might think our circumstances are great fabulous go for it um John 15 encourages us to trust God and know that he is knowing what's going on. What happened in that season for me is I went from being something that was possibly a little bit spindly to a good foundation stump. Okay? Not every day you say that about yourself, is it? (laughs) Wonderful. I'm a stump. What also happened was because I wasn't growing fruit, my roots went down. And so the two things together providentially have provided for my future because now everything that's going on anything do you know what I mean you see where it's going and this happens over and over again through our lives 
but providentially it makes us stronger and deeper, remaining in him in order to produce fruit and to live for his glory. Um, that's a scenario that happened that was, shall we say, negative, that caused a pruning season. I've um, got Grace with me today. There's a Grace in my church. And we were in the car on the way down chatting about today and different things, and she was telling me about her experience earlier in the year. And I said, that sounds like a pruning season. And we went, oh yeah. But it's a very different one, and I just wanted her to share her testimony, if that's okay, what happened earlier in the year. So welcome, Grace. So, um, yeah, I wasn't expecting to share anything today. But, um, yeah, as we were talking, this really kind of fits in with, like, pruning and being cut back, but in a kind of more of a positive situation. So at the moment I'm on my gap year, so doing lots of fun things. Um, part of that was I went to Zambia, um, so I was there for three months. I was there with <coughs> a mission organisation, OM, I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, so initially I went out there thinking I'm going for three months to do, I was working in a school with um, disabled children, so that was kind of... I knew I would be busy, I'd have this focus and everything. Um, but something that I wasn't really ready for was the kind of shock of everything familiar, my family, my culture, people that I knew, um, was completely stripped away from me. So suddenly I was in this country, um, having fun, having a good time, but um, everything was new. The buildings, the people, the, the heat. <laughs> um, and yeah, suddenly I, I remember having this feeling of who am I now because I haven't got any of these any of these things which are I've grown up with that have helped me grow and yeah, things that I didn't realise I was um, leaning on, I guess. So yeah, like church, family, everything. Um, and through that, yeah, I had this realisation and then I was reading my Bible and um, just really felt God there being the constant one so um, I trusted in God at home and then once I went out there to Zambia I could still trust in God he was still there even when like everything else has been stripped away um, yeah so just the sense of um, things I was comfortable with um, were suddenly not there and not really um, yeah I, w I wasn't really ready for that but um, you kind of think about it and you think how much was I leaning on these things and how much now do I have to lean on God because he's the only one who is still there um, yeah so just worshipping him kind of in a way I'd never done before um, and all of this kind of magnified his power like you know, being in this new culture, all these things I didn't know about but he knew everything he knew all these people that were new to me he knew all the things I was going to do in the next few weeks and months um, and just yeah his power and how he is constantly there whether we're in a familiar place comfortable place or perhaps brand new places um, yeah so just from that time um, I just really grew in the fact that he is the solid rock he is the constant one and even now I'm back here he never changed he was obviously God was always strong and um, yeah I can trust him in the comfortable times, in the uncomfortable times, in 
good and bad. Um, and yeah, I'm sure there's plenty more pruning seasons to come and fruitful seasons. But um, yeah, sometimes you just need a like a season of taking everything away, and suddenly God is the one you have to trust in, whether you whether you feel comfortable or not. Um, yeah, so that was just a time when his God's power was really shown to me and how he can be trusted and, um, yeah, pruning, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you. Would you say you recognise the uh, becoming a... A, a stump. A stump. <laughs> oh, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. And the roots um, going down. I think bit. because, I guess, the branches that you think are the fruitful branches get cut away um, and then you grow new ones and they're the ones that you need. Yeah. So yeah, I do understand that picture really makes sense to me now. <laughs> yeah. um, and as someone who's watched Grace grow up getting old again, um, <laughs> I can really say when she's got back from Zambia the difference is huge actually, just the depth of your, the way you worship God, your confidence, all of those things. You can see the fruit coming out of the time really positively where things got cut back um, and so there's other things other stories I could tell and things that have happened but I just want to come into sort of land a bit um, back on Philippians 4 so there's a kind of two from today really John 15 and Philippians 4 so rejoice in the Lord celebrate him worship him be thankful about him and do it again <laughs> rejoice um, the whole thing about him being near it's really key isn't it our feelings and our emotions don't always tell us that God is near I haven't felt him, I haven't heard him or whatever, but the Bible is clear the Lord is near um, in prayer and petition with thanksgiving um, so what might prayer with thanksgiving look like presenting your request to God sometimes we come with like a shopping list don't we I really need your help with this, 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 and this, and then that'd be great. But actually, have you ever thought about praying your requests with thanksgiving? And what that might look like? I don't know. I'm just going to let that one hang for a minute. <laughs> Bringing things to God at the same time as thanking him for who he is. And what he has done. And what he is capable of. That fills us with faith, isn't it? If we bring a request to God alongside because you are, and I'm thankful that you have done and you can do and you promised that, it lifts us even more with that request, isn't it? Um, and we see this a, a few times. So Colossians 3.15 Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. <coughs> Let the word of God dwell richly as you teach, admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And um, Hebrews 12, another one's great. Therefore, since, this is Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... Let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptedly with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. That's quite a statement. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that can...
cannot be shaken. That's, that's remaining in him. That's knowing God. Let us be thankful. I am thankful that this kingdom can't be shaken. God is my rock. He won't change. This is where my thought process goes in that thing. Therefore, if I'm standing on the rock, I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be thrown off because the kingdom cannot be shaken and I am thankful. And what does that do? That leads me to worship him. Doesn't matter if there's storm clouds swirling around. I have a kingdom that cannot be shaken and that makes me thankful for who God is, what he's doing in my life and leads me into that worship. Um, Colossians 2, 6, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, very familiar words here, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. This is what comes of being rooted in Christ, overflowing with thankfulness. Um, and I think if you, Jean gave some practical examples about quiet times and the way she does things earlier. I think just something I might leave with you. As you go about your daily lives this week, as you spend time with Jesus this week, whatever you are doing, just have that thing. What can I be thankful for? What in the brilliantness of life and all the wonderful things can I be thankful for? Generally a little bit easier to be thankful when those things are going on and it's great and wonderful. But it's still important to honour God and give him glory and thank him for what's going on. And what when it's a bit tough? What when it's a bit more like that? What will we be thankful to him for then? It changes our perspectives completely. There's a verse, um, Psalm 121, so about lifting your head to the hills. Um, and hills in the Old Testament tend to be associated with problems and robbers hiding behind them and things. Two chapters later, in Psalm 123, it says, Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? Psalm 123, he says, I lift my eyes to the throne room where God sits. And it's like, right, you've got it now, haven't you? You're not looking at the problems, you've gone right up to the throne room where God sits. And um, I love, um, there was a song that came out in New Day a couple of years ago, I think it was, um, called You Never Change. don't know if any of you sung it. And uh, I found myself in the car the other day, so this is me not sorted, because I was having a bit of a stress over something. And uh, just, it was all getting a bit like that, you know, just thought processes. And I suddenly started singing the little bridge in it. And it says, steady my heart, steady my soul. You are the Lord, you are faithful. Steady my heart, steady my soul, you are good. And I had this image, and it was quite funny, it made me laugh, of me being like a, an out-of-control horse. Sorry, great images today with stumps and out-of-control horses. No, of, you know when a horse rears up and you get the rider on the back of it going, whoa, there, and trying to pull it in. And it was just, that is exactly what it felt like, singing this song, steady. <laughs> calm down and I had to tell myself I wasn't singing to God steady my heart actually I was kind of telling myself no come on steady my heart steady up soul 
God is faithful. You know, he's in control of this. He's got it. Uh, like Jean was saying earlier about when she got in a bit of a tiz about a situation that was going on and had to kind of go, enough, I'm going to speak to... God is over this. He's in control of it. He is good. In that moment, finding things where I can be thankful doesn't change the circumstance, but it changes my perspective and puts it on him. So, cultivating thankfulness, I think, is all about this. I think thankfulness, in some respects, is a fruit. If we are rooted down here and strong here, if we allow God to work in our lives, if we allow the fruitful seasons and the pruning seasons to happen, it's all about him. It's all about remaining in him. Okay? He's not leaving us and doing things to us. But there's not, there's no, there's not ever any... I get too many knots and nevers in this one. There is always a purpose to what <laughs> is happening. Let's go that way around. Um, Jesus found that when he was tempted in the desert by remaining in him, countering it with everything he knew of God, everything he had read, everything he had experienced previously. That's what counted it and got him through that season. He knows what it's like. He's been there. And when we're bearing fruit and remaining in him, it'll keep us humble because it's not about us. It's for his glory all the time. Fruitful seasons, pruning seasons, it's for his glory. Um, and so I just, I guess, question for you guys is how is your root system? Um, we heard this morning about abiding in him, what that means. So I don't, I'm going to go over that again. But how is your root system? Psalm 1 talks about, so we've got a book about worship, basically, isn't it? It's the Psalms, poetry, songs. Some of them are a bit crazy, um, but most generally it's about all of this stuff's happening, but you are good, or you're just amazing and wonderful and faithful forever, or whatever it is. Psalms, wonderful books of worship. But Psalm 1 starts with, Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. His delight is in the law of the Lord. It's a little bit different to all the other Psalms. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither whatever he does is prosperous and so David's starting point is my roots go deep my roots go deep I remain in him all this other stuff throughout the Psalms and through his life where he messed up where he did amazing stuff my roots are deep I'm like a tree planted by water um, and I'm prosper we also, in all of this, I'm saying, be fruitful, rejoice, do this, do that. We have someone else, don't we? We have been sent the helper. We have the Holy Spirit. And so we are not doing all of this out of some made up, weird, magical, mysterious thing that we conjure up and do. We are doing this in the power of the Holy Spirit. So remaining in him, yes, is about our relationship with God. It is also about keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves to honour and glorify Jesus. That is, that is his goal. So therefore, if you ask the Spirit to help you be thankful and glorify and honour Jesus, that's not a difficult request. 
he will come running to do that. So that's what he loves to do. And we have the Holy Spirit to help us. And so I've gone around a lot of things there, but I hope there's been some stuff in there that's been helpful. And I hope you go and just have a think about thankfulness in your life. Don't beat yourself up. Don't look back. Let's go forwards. And actually just, it's about his glory. Being thankful is honouring Jesus for what he's done, what he is doing. Um, and so, yeah, I just, let's just quickly pray to finish and I just ask God just to come and speak to us. And as the rest of the day goes on, wherever you go, I hope God continues to speak to you and challenge you and come in and comfort and everything else. So, yeah, Father God, I just uh, want to thank you for this afternoon. Lord, I pray that you would uh, sift all the stuff we've said in this session, Lord, and you would help us keep the nuggets, Lord, that you would just be with us for the rest of the day. Lord, teach us what it is to be rooted in you, to abide in you, to be thankful, to be worshippers of you. Lord God, would you come by your spirit, give these ladies just... um, an amazing dose of the Holy Spirit now, Lord God, fill them again where we're weary and tired and it's the middle of the afternoon. Lord God, I just pray you would keep us going, keep us listening, keep us hearing you, keep us hungry for you, Lord God. And uh, yeah, I just pray amazing blessing over the rest of the afternoon. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you.